0: into the teachings of the Buddha, of the ways of establishing mindfulness in the classroom of our lives, in the classroom of every moment. They are also teachings about waking up, about waking up to what is actually going on. The Buddha very very clearly framed this as a moment-to-moment commitment, whether sitting, standing, walking, lying down, whether coming or going, whether dressing, whether eating, whether in the bathroom, whatever is happening, we establish mindfulness. So I would really encourage you to not think of this practice very much, as the has said, as something we do. You know, I, I think Western culture has developed a particular meditative expertise in a way of associating this practice of cultivation, this practice of development, with work. You know, I'm going to do some sitting. I'm going to do some walking. Might even going to do some mindfulness. So the Buddha didn't really refer to this in any way as something we do, but we are learning to change our frame of reference. We're learning to change our view. We're learning to change the lens and the eyes through which we see experience, through which we experience experience. So quite useful, you know, to examine in your own mind where you you might have that that perspective of something I do, because then if we have that perspective, we very likely have the times when I don't do that, and I do something else. But to examine where you know that what comes with that sense of doing a sitting or doing a walking is. Often a kind of segmented retreat, you know. I look at the schedule and I think, oh, you know, uh, do those sittings, uh, do a couple of those walkings. But then we wonder what is going on in the other times. How are we establishing that quality of wakefulness? So in many ways, I really encourage you to yield to the schedule. It's not a command structure. It's not a, a, a task it's a way really of, of developing that commitment, that uninterrupted commitment we're developing to wakefulness throughout the day. Now I think particularly, you know, in, in our minds it's very easy to make hierarchies out of forms. And I think, you know, because we have all these Buddha statues sitting around with eyes closed, um, you know, we think that's that's the real business. You know, anything else has to be secondary. Um, In my experience, those who neglect walking meditation are often those who have the greatest difficulty in making this integration of this practice into life. Because the walking practice is the closest form to the rest of our lives. So the walking practice is also a cultivation. It's actually already begun... You know, the moment we opened our eyes and we began to move our bodies. That is actually the beginning of the walking meditation. Even though we haven't yet risen from our seats. We've moved into a different posture. We've moved into into a different kind of engagement. The walking practice is not a a something to to just, you know, walk in a trance-like state up and down a particular path. It's learning what it means to be embodied in this life and to be embodied in the world and in the midst of the sensory world of sights and sounds and touch, all coming to us just as we live the rest of our lives. What it means to have an embodied presence and a, a sense of ground within that world. So, with the walking practice, I really do suggest that you do have a container for it. This is not about going for a ramble or a stroll or, you know, exploring the woods or, you know, there's times to do that in the day. But I really suggest in the walking practice, really helpful to actually have a container. Because then you're not dealing with the mind of, should I be here, should I go there? You know, you're, It's just like as we sit, we have a container, which actually becomes a place where we explore what it is to sustain intentionality, to, to nurture wakefulness. So to find yourself a walking path. I mean, certainly we're very, very blessed with the weather right now. You know, to be able to be outside in this freshness, with the breeze, and especially if the mind is feeling quite heavy or dull, I highly recommend finding a walking path outside. I mean, you do have to deal with the uh, the first precept quite a lot um, of non-harming, but, you know, that's part of life in Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> You know, but to find the walking path, it doesn't have to be very long. You know, even half the width of this room is plenty long enough. But you think of this as your your ground of intentionality. Getting to the walking path is as important as arriving. You know, you don't kind of bustle along quickly in order to get somewhere to walk mindfully. You know, it's it's part part of that process. So, it's finding a walking path. We do have lots of places inside, as you know. And actually, I find it quite useful to to adopt a walking path, as long as it's not in competition with somebody else's adoption. Um, but to adopt a walking path, so that when the sitting when the bell goes, you know, you're not having to go through a whole mental process of where should I walk today? Looks good over there? No, not so good. You don't go over there. No. To adopt a walking pass, you know, to let it be a kind of second home, just like your cushion or your chair is a home. Mm-hmm. Arrive in your walking pass. stand still for a moment. What's going on? What does it feel like to stand? What does it feel like to be in the body, to feel the breeze on your skin, to feel your feet touch the ground, to be aware of the sights that are coming to you, the sounds that are coming to you, to establish a quality of stillness and wakefulness and sensitivity within that moment of standing? then to begin to walk. And being aware, walking practice is a very responsive mode of practice. You know, if the mind is dull, it's better to walk a little quicker. If the mind is agitated, it's better to walk a little slower. There's no prescribed pace. Please, again, don't have the association with walking meditation that the slower I go, the more mindful I am. Most of us know this is simply nonsense. Hmm? We can be pretty mindless, going very, very slow so so let it be a responsive practice you know, and your mind state can change a number of times in a walking period. you know when you might go from dullness to restlessness back to dullness, so uh, you know you're sensitive to that, and your walking pace is a response to that. Always I think it's good to come a little bit out of a a completely normal pace of walking because that takes us out of the field of habit and brings a more intentional way of being in the body. But you might just start at the beginning. Just walk up and down your path at a slightly less than normal pace. Feel what it likes. F- sense what it feels like to really be in the body, to, to feel your weight change with every step, to feel the sensation of your foot touching the ground. I mean, certainly if you're somewhere safe outside where there's no bees and wasps and other things wanting to eat you, walking barefoot is a wonderful thing. But be careful of that bit. Um, but go up and down at a normal pace and then just allow yourself to relax into it what is the pace that's right right now in, a, in, in, a, in response to the mental state that's present is it more helpful for me to slow down is it more helpful for me to be a bit quicker is it maybe more helpful for me to stop and stand still many times if I feel completely disconnected from the body is it helpful for me to stop and stand still and really unify and integrate body, mind and present moment? So this is an investigation, you know, it's not a bit of busy work. It's not a project. But it is genuinely an investigation to see how we are inhabiting our walking path, how we are inhabiting the body in this moment. Again, sometimes it's very, very useful, just as in the sitting, to, to have a sort of primary anchor. You know, we might start with feeling the body walk, just sensing the, the fullness of that experience. And then we might find that it's quite helpful, actually, to, to have that anchor of experience, that anchor of mindfulness within simply the footfall, sensation of the foot touching the ground, and then moving and then touching the ground. And there will be many moments when that's not where your attention is. As Akinjana says, your your life will follow you onto your walking path. So you will find, you know, the impulses. You will find the memories. You will find the thoughts about all the things you left undone, the emails you didn't send, uh, you know, the people you're concerned about, or the people you want to be with and aren't with. Your life will follow you onto the cushion. Why would it not? And it's not about saying that that's not welcome, that that shouldn't be here. But how can we know that? through the eyes of mindfulness, through the eyes of wakefulness, to simply know it without the entanglement, the preoccupation, the rumination, the planning, just to know it, to sense it, and then returning to the body. And that may happen many, many times in a single walking period. And if there's one thing we learn in terms of ennobling qualities of heart, in this first day or two of a retreat, we learn a lot about patience. And we learn a lot about patient perseverance. And this, this is an act of kindness for ourselves. Okay, so it's time to engage with some walking practice that has already begun as you stand, as you move out of your posture, to really sense what it is to stay within the body, within that. Today we'll have a fairly quiet day of practice. You've seen the schedule. Some time for some questions later on today. But it's a day of settling. It's a day of arriving. And we'll come back at 10 o'clock to sit.